Today on the Talk on the Run podcast, we're talking with Patrick about how to stay on track when you see a doctor or physical therapist and make sure that they focus on your running goals. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. We're talking with Patrick, who is a guy that actually uh, connected with on Twitter. And Patrick has a really interesting story. He's been to physical therapy. And the main reason I wanted to have him on the podcast today is that he actually had this experience and he posted about it on Twitter. He said, this podcast is awesome. Had a recent experience with physical therapy that was centered around continuation of my running goals instead of fixed and done. Huge impact. And so I wanted to have Patrick, you know, I just connected with him and say, hey, man, can you come on the podcast and just talk about your experience with physical therapy and help people understand how they can better get their physical therapist and doctors and all of us medical practitioners to be more on track with their goals and not just focused on the injury. So, Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on today. Oh, yeah, it's fine. I, I don't know a whole lot about your story, but maybe you can just tell us a little bit about what it is that happened. Like you were, you were in physical therapy, right? Uh, yeah, I was. And so what did you have to do? Like, you know, what happened? Like what, how was it that you were able to go to the physical therapists and, you know, how did you talk to them and present your story in a way that was compelling enough for them to take you seriously and not just treat your injury, but instead sort of treat you as a whole person to direct all of your therapy toward achieving your goal of continuing to run? I actually kind of went directly to physical therapy and I Unfortunately, I opted to kind of avoid as much as possible. I was encouraged by my brother, who's a pretty serious cyclist, yeah. to go to a place that did just that. And they went straight into physical therapy. And it was a non, I'm not sure whether or not I needed a doctor's referral or not in order mm-hmm. to start that process. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes, you know, when you go to physical therapy, you have to have a specific order from a doctor to do very specific things. You know, but sometimes you can get straight into the process. So when you went to them, like, how were the physical therapists when you first talked to them? Did they sort of focus on your injury or did they ask you more about what are your specific goals in terms of what activities do you want to do? Like, how did they approach you? Um, A little bit of both. I, I kind of took the approach of seeking the medical attention I wanted. So I let them know, like, hey, I'm a runner. I'm in the middle of, of marathon training. I'd like to continue training. And my, my left hip hurts, essentially. Okay. And then they went from there and they did a really great job. I think their medical business practice was kind of catered towards that. So I was pretty fortunate in that regards. But my first injury that I had probably eight years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. um, in attempts for my first marathon, I was kind of referred to an orthopedic surgeon by our neighbors. And this is when I was like 19, maybe 20 years old. And I told the, I walked in there and I told him basically what was going on. And instantly, when I when I told him trying to train for my first marathon, he instantly rolled his eyes. So, and even walking into that front lobby, I was I felt somewhat out of place. It was filled with you know, eighty maybe nine year old people literally falling apart. Right, who kind of mm-hmm. needed that kind of service. So I knew, kind of reflecting on back on that, like really, I just kind of need some physical therapy and some guidance to kind of strengthen some of the muscles probably around whatever injury I have, based on just the readings and trying to self educate myself as best as possible. Okay, so that's an important point. So you basically went into this, you sort of went into your whole process of beginning therapy, seeking treatment as a completely educated patient who had done some research to try to figure out like, well, you know, since you're training for a marathon and you're intent on doing that race and you want to continue to maintain your fitness and all that, you knew you had to do something different than the normal thing than you would normally get in physical therapy, which 
you know, as you said, this one other um, setting, you know, it's like a bunch of people who are old and falling apart and you're a different person, completely different goals, completely different intention. So that was like step one, right? Is you pre-educated yourself on the process of physical therapy, of recovery, of regaining in your strength and overcoming this injury, right? So how did you even start that? I mean, how did you go about that process? Did you just search for, you know, hip pain or what did you search for initially? Oh man, that's a good question. I'm not really sure if I have a specific answer to that. Just kind of my general interest in running. I spend my free time watching YouTube videos and reading online and I'm I'm currently reading Lore of Running. Uh-huh. The book and just kind of understood and kind of read about general kind of uh I guess joint injuries and how hips tend to be uh a common, I guess, injury. Yeah, so well, that's the thing is there's a lot of information available now, right? So I put lots of information out, but I'm just one person. And, uh, you know, there are lots of doctors that have lots of different attitudes and opinions, and there's a lot of information that, that I think is most helpful, actually, in books like you're talking about that aren't written by physicians necessarily. They're, they're written by runners. And runners many times have a, what I think is truthfully, a much better understanding of the runner's body than most physicians do. So I know that I will for sure, one of my classmates, you know, is going to probably approach me at some conference and tell me that I'm nuts for saying that. But I think it's true. You know, as physicians, we're sort of trained out of that approach where, you know, we, we, you think that we would be, of course, intent of, you know, recognizing your specific athletic goals, but it's not. That whole thought process is trained out of us through the medical education process where we're basically taught to look for a specific problem and then fix that problem, which usually translates to making it look better on x-rays or you know, increasing the measurable range of motion of it or something like that based on these parameters that are sometimes archaic. And you as a patient, as a runner, as an athlete, your whole sort of sense of self and everything attached to your athletic achievement is completely, it's not even secondary. It's just somewhere way down the list. It's not, it doesn't even make it onto their radar most of the time. So I really think you have to be able to go in and redirect those conversations many times. So, you know, if you, if you had a friend, like a running buddy who was suffering from some kind of injury, where would you tell him to start? You say, okay, your knee hurts. So, so what is that? You know, is it arthritis? Is it iliotibial band syndrome? Is it patellofemoral syndrome? It could be a whole range of things, but just as somebody who has been through this process, like if you had a friend who had an injury uh, and they wanted to run and they were worried that it was going to mess up their training, where would you tell them to start? Well, being not a medical expert, just a runner, I would tell them probably go to um, an orthopedic doctor and get into physical therapy. Specifically, hopefully somebody that's like maybe advertising themselves as, you know, sports medicine orthopedics. Right. Um, where they kind of understand that. And my second round of physical therapy that I went to for my recent hip injury, that's that's what I did. So right. I, I, I went to a place that's kind of like a dual, like in the building upstairs is all the orthopedic uh, doctors and downstairs is where all the physical therapy happens. Okay. And I didn't anticipate going up to the orthopedics. I had intended just to kind of get my doctor's uh, script kind of transferred and go right into PT mm-hmm. with the understanding that they were all kind of sports oriented, right? That, that they would have an innate sense that kind of that's, that's what their practice is about is continuation of someone's, you know, running goals. But the orthopedic doctors upstairs, like one of the guys was an Ironman. So I was like, that guy probably gets it. You know, if I had to go back and really get it evaluated in case I needed shots or get cut open or something, that guy would probably be in my best interest. Right. So that's probably what I would advise. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So you have to find somebody that understands you. I won't 
bore you with the whole story here, but basically, you know, one of my relatives had a, an issue where basically he had a blockage in his carotid artery, you know, a significant oh, blockage. Wow. And I was having a discussion with him. I said, you know, you really might want to think about changing your diet. And he had a really horrible diet. Again, he, he was eating hot, like literally for many, many, many years, every day, Monday through Friday for lunch, he'd go to this place and have a hot dog. And I said, you know, you really ought to think about that. And he said, well, I talked to my cardiologist and my cardiologist said, it's okay if I have a hot dog at lunch, if I eat a healthy breakfast and I have a salad with dinner. And I know who his cardiologist was and the guy weighs like 400 pounds. And I said, you know, oh, geez. I said, look, I, he said, I, I know that, you know, he's a cardiologist and he is an expert for sure in this area, but you cannot, no matter what his credentials are, you cannot take dietary advice from a fat guy. You know, when you're an athlete, if you see somebody who's a runner, who's an Ironman triathlete, who has some athletic activity, even if it isn't that, if they have something that they really do, if they're a cyclist, whatever, and they really do it consistently and they've been doing it for a long time, they will understand your desire to continue that activity. And I don't think that's true of other doctors who are not athletes. I do not think that they understand where you're coming from. You know, as you talked like uh, before about you know, this person basically kind of rolling their eyes at you when you tell them they're tr you're training for a marathon, you know, they think it's silly. And I lecture to these doctors and they think it's silly. They think it's, you know, well, that's just, you know, crazy. That's why you have this problem in the first place. You should quit doing that. You should quit running. And it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, you don't go to the doctor to have the doctor tell you to quit doing something. But that is a fairly standard approach. So it sounds like you were able to find somebody who was really going to, you know, be on your team if you needed them to be. Um, was that a coincidence or do you know that doctor was an Ironman triathlete before you got there? No, I searched in my uh, healthcare providers, my insurance like search engine to see who was in there, and I was just searching like terms like sports, right. uh, medicine, and everything, and I kind of found them, and I read their biographies. Okay. So yeah, I kind of sought that out. Yeah, so that's interesting. So that's a good idea. So most people wouldn't know to do that. You know, sometimes <laughs> people search the website. Some people just look in the actual booklet that the. Um, insurance companies send to them that has a list of the providers that are in the network and you know and they'll pick somebody at a nearby facility basically just based on proximity you know that's the thing is if you do that you don't really know what you're getting into if you can search online and search their individual profiles and see you know do they have something that discusses them being an, an athlete that would be really helpful but when you get there one thing you can do of course is see like does this look like my people or not you know, and if it looks like the same group that you would see at athlete check-in for your marathon, well, that's great. But if it looks like, you know, your grandmother's bridge club, maybe you're in the wrong <laughs> spot, you know? But it is it is a fair assessment, I think, you know, when you go in and you see, even if it says sports medicine doctor, because I know a guy that's a sports medicine doctor, and he was sports medicine, like fellowship trained after he did his orthopedic residency, but now he basically does total hip replacements on old people. That's like 95% of his practice. So he has the right credentials for someone like us, but he doesn't currently do that. He's not really doing sports medicine. He's just doing replacing parts on old people. Um, is what he's really doing. And so he's probably now fairly far removed from the mindset of being able to keep somebody like you running and training for a marathon. This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. 
What you'll get from Dr. Segler, in my experience, is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I'm left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different, and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible, as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert, and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You'll have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's gonna be on time. Two, he's gonna be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are gonna result in a more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. So what's the event that you're training for now? Right now, I am kind of an off-season. I have no um, set training schedule, which is kind of nice. I've been doing pretty low mileage, just a couple miles a day. Uh -huh. I'm trying to run in the mornings. I'm in, I'm in Dallas, so it's going to get pretty hot pretty soon. <laughs> it's going to um, get so real hot real soon. <laughs> last summer was the first summer I kind of trained consistently through that, so mornings mm -hmm. are kind of the only options. So just this week, I started running in the mornings. But my last race was the Woodlands Marathon. I think that was early March. Uh -huh. um, that was my second marathon. Cool. So How did it go? My it went really well. I ran a 258. Whoa, that's um, flying. Yeah, so I, sh I should be Boston qualified, fingers crossed. So that, that was my goal, and I had I had told my therapist in December uh, that I was, I was shooting for a, a spring Boston qualifier. So wow, that's fantastic. Really well. Okay, so your second marathon, you basically qualified for Boston, ran under three hours, which puts you in like the top, like, uh, what, one hundredth of one percent of all runners um, to run under three hours, right? I mean, you're like in this really elite category now, truthfully. Um, oh wow, I didn't know that. So oh yeah, yeah, I don't know. This very, very, very. I mean, you remember Lance Armstrong? This is a huge thing. I don't know if you ever saw this, but there was it was a big deal when he was um, running this race. He had like six pacers when he was trying to run under three hours, you know, and he barely made it. So that tells you something. I mean, Lance Armstrong, you know all the political stuff aside and everything else, there's no question the guy's a pretty phenomenal athlete. You know, somebody that can win, you know, the Tour de France so many times and then really have to work that hard to run under three hours. And he, you know, afterwards said it was a tough deal, that it was not easy to mm -hmm. run under three hours. So that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. So this was all even after you've had an injury, you know, you've had some issues, still mm -hmm. qualify for Boston and clock this phenomenal time. Like, what do you, what do you attribute that to? Like, what was it that you did that got you out of the sort of injury mindset and back to the, no, I'm going to run and qualify for Boston mindset. Like what, what kept you focused on the goal? I don't know. I guess just, just consistent running every day, uh, -huh. uh, training and with an emphasis on, um, on strength training through what kind of my, all the exercises that my therapists have given me in the past. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. Good point. So yeah, that's a great thing to talk about. I, you know, one of the things I frequently talk about is that if you get injured, no matter what it is, it's, it's always one part. It's not, you know, you're sick all over, you know, you have whatever it is. It's, you know, your plantar fascia is injured. You're, you have a stress fracture in one specific metatarsal. 
you know, your hip hurts, you know, you have um, uh, an issue like uh, irritation of the bursa in your shoulder, whatever. You get one issue. It's one thing. It's not all of you. So when you run, the entire machine is keeping you moving, right? So, you know, you did a lot of strength training. You're doing a lot of other stuff. You're doing things that most runners don't normally do, even though all of us know somewhere in the back of our minds, we know that, you know, doing strength training, doing core training, really working your glutes and hamstrings, working all these things that support you better, make you stronger, help you maintain form that's efficient longer is all beneficial. But when you get an injury and your physical therapist tells you you really have to do these things to get over this injury, suddenly you're really motivated to do all those things, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's way easier when someone else gives you a specific list of like, do this this many times or for this amount of seconds, you know, it, it is. Um, these, it these is specific helpful. exercises. Right. So, okay. So you got this list from your physical therapist, but now given all the other things that you've read in your spare time and all the articles you've looked at online, all of the information you've gotten, how many times have you read, you know, some article about, you know, how to run faster, how to get stronger, how to improve your times? Have you been suggested or told in a subtle way by these articles that you should probably do the things that your physical therapist gave you to do? A lot, I would guess, uh, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Right, so people are writing about this all the time, but most of us are not doing it. We're just not, <clears throat> because we're runners, right? Like, it's fun to run. It's not really fun to do clamshells or, you know... Um, planks or whatever most people don't really enjoy doing those things but when we get injured sometimes i think it can be a blessing in disguise because you know you go do those things and you get a lot stronger and though even though you're not actually running as much because you're recovering from an injury when you do start running again your overall fitness is so much improved that you can suddenly have like a bump in your athletic performance you know i think it's really interesting that that happens so big question is are you still doing all of those things all the things your physical therapist gave you to recover from the injury are you still doing them are you incorporating them into your workout routine now oh yeah absolutely probably not as much as i should i probably just do like you said you know just just want to run so i probably right. do just as much as i can to get by like as soon as the hip starts to creep in or something around that area or like the knee, which is my first injury several years ago. Like I'm like, okay, now's the time to start doing this again. Right. Um, and hitting those exercises. So mm -hmm. yeah, I still definitely do that. So do you think the, the whole experience of having an injury while you're in the process of training, do you think that that's made you more aware? Like you, do you sense subtle changes now that maybe before you would have ignored? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So what do you feel? So for those that have not been injured yet, like what do you start to feel when something's coming in? Because you don't just feel like a sudden sharp pain like somebody hit you with a hammer. It always builds, right? Right, yeah. Well, actually my first injury where I went to the orthopedic surgeon, he diagnosed me with just patellofemoral syndrome uh -huh. uh, in the left knee. And that was pretty all of a sudden. I was just like playing with my dog after like what was my first long run ever. It was like 12 miles. Um, and that was pretty sudden. But most often, yeah, I, I feel like it kind of creeps up. And my first sign of when I should start hitting my like strength training exercises is when I feel just extreme heaviness and soreness from like my toes all the way up to like my core or my hips, just the entire legs are just heavy and sore from like outside all the way down to the, almost the inner bone, I guess, that mm -hmm. makes sense. Just like you said, an entire engine, but maybe the entire engine of the leg, it just feels exhausted. I know that's kind of my time. Okay, I should probably start doing some strength and, and preventative stuff. All right, so that's the strategy, uh, right? So you feel something, you know something's off, and before you just, instead of waiting for it to just blow up, 
then you basically start doing this preemptive stuff. You start doing some strength training. Do you do other stuff? I mean, do you like modify your nutrition? Do you um, do you try to sleep more? Like, what else do you do to try to make sure that that calms down quickly? I try as best possible to recover as quickly mm-hmm. as possible after I run. So I do kind of what I've read and heard is that you should consume some carbs and proteins like right after your workout just to get glycogen back and, and start the reparative process. Sometimes if I'm doing like a Sunday long run in a high mileage week where I'm pushing pace pretty hard, doing a lot of tempo runs. Uh, I'll try to ice bath. Does that yeah. answer your question? Yeah, no, it does. It's that, Well, okay. that's the thing. So I, I think that those things are big. I even tell doctors this when I lecture. I just tell them, I say, look, you know, overtraining injuries is not too much training. It's too little recovering is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's true. I mean, I you know, I talk to people all the time. I, I did a virtual doctor visit at a couple of days ago with a guy that's training for a hundred mile trail race in uh, the Dolomites. Okay. So, you know, most people would say running a hundred miles on a trail is too far, but it's not for an ultra marathoner. It's just not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a long way. Some people say riding a bike a hundred miles is too far, but well, you know, when I was for years and years and I was in heavy Ironman training for like 10 years and I did that every week. That was my Wednesday ride was a hundred miles. So it's not too much. But if you do those things too frequently back to back and you don't do the right stuff, if you don't replace the glycogen, you know, and I'm diligent about that. I mean, with long bike rides, long runs, everything, if I drive to do those runs or rides, I actually make my recovery smoothie right before I leave the house. I put it on ice and I actually have it there so that within 15 minutes of finishing my ride or run, it's in, you know, and I don't miss that. I have it every time. You know, I have to make sure that I get the nutrients back in because if you wait until an hour or two later, you've missed the window. You just can't afford to do that. And you have to really protect your sleep on those days where you work out hard. I think that's the thing is that, you know, we get busy at work. We get busy with, you know, projects in school. We get busy with all kinds of different things. And then it's like a little, you know, not enough sleep. Maybe you miss your recovery drink. Maybe you didn't hydrate enough. And those little things start to add up and accumulate into an overtraining injury, you know, and if you had been recovering properly, maybe that injury wouldn't crop up in the first place. And so I think that's, it doesn't seem crucial, you know, at the time, um, but it's very difficult to undo once you get an actual overtraining injury. So I think that's really important. That's really helpful. Yeah. So before I bump up my mileage too, if like, if the week's coming up, I'm like, okay, I'm going to bump X amount of miles next week. If, if I don't have the kind of allotted time to incorporate that recovery, like you said, sleeping and like stretching and that, that strength training, I sometimes I just don't do the increase in volume or intensity because knowing that the time investment is almost like exponential, the harder you train, it's like you have to have any, an equal amount or, or more of recovery with that. So that's, right. that's, that's a huge portion of, of my injury prevention moving forward for me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good strategy. So what are you training for now? Anything that you have like, well, not that you're actively training for, it's sort of your off season. Is there anything you've signed up for that you're really like uh, geared up for or, or are you just waiting for Boston? Uh, I'm just kind of waiting for Boston now, which is pretty long ways away. So I'll, I'll probably try to sign up or find a, a good marathon or half um, in the fall okay. when the weather's pretty nice, maybe like November or maybe as late as December. Right. Um, but come January, February, I don't want to do anything too close. No, because you got to be ready for April, right? Yeah, 
Okay, so sure. so with Boston, what is your goal? So I'm always interested in this because running in the woodlands in what was it, February or March? Uh, yeah, it was early March. Okay, it was like so March third, something. Right, so pretty predictable weather, right? Like the weather's mm-hmm. going to be good. It's not too hot in the woodlands, but it's it's flat. You know, it's a good course, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So you have lots of advantages there. Boston is highly unpredictable, right? It could, Uh, it's literally snowed, it's rained, you know, it starts in the middle of the day, it doesn't start first thing in the morning, it can be super hot, it can be really windy. There's like this whole range of possibilities with Boston that you cannot prepare for, and it is not an easy course, right? So Boston is definitely not the fastest course on the planet, so right. given that, I'm interested to know, like, what is your goal for Boston? Oh, I don't know. Um, running the same time, I guess, as the Woodlands would be nice. A ride around three hours would be That'd a great be goal. That'd be awesome. What are you talking um, about nice? That'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, because my first race was um, the San Diego Rock and Roll last year, May. I think it was May or, or early June. Uh-huh. Yeah, early June. And that was a pretty hilly course. There's a big hill at the end. So that took me off guard. Yeah. So probably definitely have to do some hill and elevation work. There's not much here in Dallas. It's pretty flat, just like Houston. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, any other tips for uh, all the people listening? You know, when they uh, get injured, they want to get back on track. They, you know, they're dreaming of doing the sub three hour marathon like you. Like, what? What's the one piece of advice you'd tell them? Run consistently and healthy. Always, always be on the safe side. I guess never do more than you think you your legs or whatever joints may not be good for you, allow you to do. Yeah, so listen, right? You got to listen to your body. Like in short, right? You really got to pay attention. Yeah, I guess it's the successes and the details when you're when you're really trying to get back at it. All right, Patrick. Well, hey, listen, I, I, um, I really appreciate you doing the call today. I mean, I think this is a really big thing when you get injured, you're going to physical therapy, you really want to try to figure out how to make sure your care is really centered around your continuation of your running goals and not just like, as you said, uh, on Twitter, not just the fixed and done kind of thing. Um, right. That you know, you really have to be proactive. You have to remember that anytime you're seeking advice from any healthcare professional, whether it's a, a doctor, a surgeon, a physical therapist, anybody, you have to make sure that they're focused on your goals, right? Like not mm-hmm. fixing the problem, getting you to the finish line is the deal. And if you don't really push that on them, they may just do their usual routine, which is try to get you back to normal. You have to remember that most of the time they define normal as the middle of whatever group they see. So if you look at the waiting room and it looks like your grandma's bridge group, you don't want to be in the middle of that group. So if that's the case and that's where you're going for your care, it's okay. It's not that the doctor isn't qualified. It's just that it's not on not something the doctor's thinking about. They're just thinking about getting you to the point where you can walk around the kitchen, you know. So you have to, I think, be really proactive when you go to see any healthcare uh, professional and go in prepared to talk about your goals first and foremost and then talk about what hurts and how that's disrupting your goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Patrick, hey, man, thanks for doing the call. I really do appreciate you coming on, uh, you know, to be on the podcast and uh, talk about your experience. And Again, man, congrats on uh, on qualifying for Boston and running under three hours. It's pretty awesome. And let us know how it goes. So I want to hear from you after uh, Boston and uh, see if you uh, if you get another uh, sub three uh, at Boston. That'd be pretty amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you absolutely very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. I'm I'm, I'm happy to share my experiences and hope uh, everyone out there has just as good experiences. So. Yeah. No, I think it's really going to be helpful. So thanks so much for doing it. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, Patrick. Bye bye. 
If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me. And then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.